Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we give you your adventure books and conversations from 11,000 feet in the beautiful Eastern Sierra. I'm one of your hosts, Christopher. And I'm Stacy. and with us as always is our producer, Doug. Hey, Doug. Hey, guys. How's it going? Happy school year. Happy school year. year. Happy almost birthday, Doug. Thank you. Yeah, right. Of course, it'll be past your birthday by the time this airs, but... So we hope you enjoyed the cake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we hope you enjoy your three-day weekend for your birthday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I didn't... I forgot. That's excellent. That's Yay. right. Yay. And it's just before Labor Day weekend. So listeners, we hope you all had a wonderful and safe Labor Day weekend. Those of you who live here or were up visiting yes. for the holidays. Beautiful. It's so. always the best time of year here. It is. That Lots kind of, going on. Kind of a lot of stuff to, to take part in, and the, the leaves are starting to turn in some places, and the air is fresh and breezy. Yeah. We're getting a little bit of fall in the air. We're getting a little bit a little of fall bit. in the air, and I'm sure yeah. it'll come marching right down the road. So, but we're gonna we're taking a trip back in history for our adventure today. We are, we are time traveling. Today. We are a little yeah. bit, yeah. Gonna go go back to uh, Bridgeport and the big trials that took place back in 1891. The there, seat. yeah, yeah. People don't, especially people who move here and are living here now, are like Bridgeport is the county seat. Nobody lives there. People do live in Bridgeport. Live in Bridgeport. It's a beautiful place to live and work. One of the most beautiful just corners of the county with the big valley there and the Sawtooth Ridge. Yeah. Historic building. And Twin Lakes. And Twin Lakes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's lovely. It is. But there was a lot of drama that took place there. And if you are walking through Bridgeport um, these days on the front of uh, Ken's Sporting Goods, you'll find a little historical marker called Frontier Justice. Yeah, this is fascinating. Yeah, I really was not aware of this until I stopped and read it. And which we need to take (laughs) more time to do things like that. But do you want to tell what happened, or should I? Sure. Tell? Why don't I get it started? Go and for then it. You can jump in and correct me. Uh, yeah. You know, back in the day, that building, which was right next to the big iconic historic wooden courthouse that's up there, that right? Makes all the postcards and the photos and everything in Bridgeport, and is so famous. Um, back in the day, before that was built, this building, where Kent's Sporting Goods Store, was, I understand, the court. Correct. Work on the second floor. Right. That's where um, they would do trials. And this yep. was back in the day um, when there was a lot of mining in the area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Bowie yep. was big. Bridgeport was the county seat. There yep. were mines all around. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a big population of miners yes. living in and working in the area, including, mm-hmm. you know, as typical in the West Coast, um, a, lot, a number of Chinese immigrants yes. came over and worked the mine. And there, mm-hmm. were, you know, there was a Chinatown in Bodhi and elsewhere, and I believe they worked the the, um, 
the mines south of Bridgeport mm-hmm. and what have you. So there was a there was a, a diverse group of people living here between the settlers, the miners, yeah. the Chinese, the, the ranchers, ranchers, mm-hmm. the indigenous tribe, the Paiutes who lived here yep. first. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of a combustible environment in many ways, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And so what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, Stacey, okay. one of the Chinese um, residents, yep. whose name is... A Kuang Tai. Thank you, A Kuang Tai, um, because I don't have it written down in <laughs> I do. <laughs> he was accused of killing a Paiute. Correct. In a cannibalistic fashion. In a cannibalistic fashion, which just sounds, you know, tawdry and, you know, just really explosive to begin with. And you kind of wonder what was really going on. Yeah. Um, But he was put on trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I understand he was acquitted. He he was acquitted due to lack of witnesses, physical evidence, and there was no body that could be identified. So he he was acquitted and he was released. And as he walked out of the courthouse, he befell another fate. As this marker says. Correct. Yes. So he was... um, he was taken by um, some of the Paiute Indians who mm-hmm. were very upset right. that he had gotten away with it, mm-hmm. so to speak. And they dragged him away and killed him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Um, and later on, his body, um, he was buried in Cinnamon's Field. But later, his braid, his mm-hmm. you know, his... Chinese wore long braids back then. Um, his braid was brought to a local rancher by his dog. Oh my goodness. And the, then the weirdly, and we don't know why, but the braid was then put in the on display in the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco, where it later disappeared. And I think you can still visit the Fairmont. I think the Fairmont is still standing, yes, but the braid is not. Thank you cannot see the braid. It just, yeah. Isn't it just, it's one of these things that if you stop and read this marker and you're in a small town, you know, in beautiful Eastern Germany, and suddenly history hits you in the face because something really explosive and controversial happened. And, and dramatic. And dramatic. Yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder what's reading, what's between the lines, you know? Right. What really happened? How much of what is truth? You know, was he set up? Was he was he guilty? Yeah. Um, and then again, you know, the title, Frontier Justice. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, exactly. And it just, there's so much innuendo that could right. be, you know, extrapolated from from this and it's very vague. I I said as we were getting ready to record, I said this would be a great movie. It would be if somebody filled in the blanks. If someone who really does the research and treats right. it all you know appropriately and, and yeah, when, the drum and respectfully and respectfully, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But because yeah. it is that intersection of different cultures, right? Yeah, different cultures right there. Yeah, and and, and a fairly long list. Place. Right. So, yeah. And and you have to imagine that things like this probably happen fairly often. Right. And you know, there's a there's a comment on the um 
the placard that that says that this is only a footnote in California case law. Isn't this crazy? Yeah, but it's an ex- it's a great example of what frontier justice was. And it will, if you're walking down Main Street, you're just passing the general store, yep. then there's the sporting goods store. You're about to take a photo of the courthouse mm-hmm. across the street to get a, get a beer. And you stop and read this, suddenly you you stop to think about where you're standing and what happened here 150 years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there, you know, this is on, this is one of several markers. Yeah. All within a short walking distance area um, in in the town of Bridgeport. So lots and lots of history there. Yeah, and we've already talked about a couple of opportunities to maybe dive a little bit more into that history mm-hmm. of Bridgeport in the coming season. Yes, yes, we're we're an, we're anticipating talking more about about this, reading more about this. So, listeners, stay tuned if you're. Find yourself in Bridgeport, we give them for you to stop and pause and read some of those markers and appreciate the history of the place. We will be right back with our book conversation. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast. A colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. So, Stace, we're back to talk about books. Yes. And we're ready. We are ready. And for this episode, we thought we would kind of talk about either romance novels or, or, or romance reads or book reads related to romance. Yes. Right? Yeah. Even though it's not February and it's not Valentine's Day, you can read about romance anytime. <laughs> That's good that it's not just seasonal. It's almost pumpkin spice season too, according to Vaughn. So. And Starbucks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you read? So I read a book, actually read it over the summer called Romantic Comedy. How's mm-hmm. that for romance? Yeah. And it's written by Curtis. Sittenfeld, who's written a, a whole, she's got a whole library that yeah. that she's written. But um, this is a new book. It just mm-hmm. recently came out, um, I think, last spring. Yeah. It was a Reese Witherspoon pick for Reese Witherspoon's book club. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this novel is set in an, a Saturday Night Live type of world. Okay. So that is the, the backdrop is this um, sketch comedy show called the night owls Mm -hmm. and Sally is a writer on the show and she is um, she's divorced. She's in her early thirties. She doesn't really have any relationship involvement, nothing serious at, at this point in her life. And onto the show comes Noah Brewster, Mm -hmm. who is a pop rock star. He's been around for a while. He's very handsome, famous for dating models. So like, you know, Leo DiCaprio, but a singer too. (laughs) And, and no, yeah, he's going to be like the, the host slash musical guest on this episode. Well, Sally has just prior to Noah coming on as, as a guest, Sally has written this sketch about her writing partner, Danny, Mm -hmm. who is this average, you know, 
nothing looking guy, you know, just average nebbishy writer's room guy. Good way to put it. And he is now dating this girl, Annabelle, who is like this hot supermodel. And so Sally writes this sketch about how average looking men are able to date hot looking (laughs) models, but it doesn't work in reverse. Right. And so so she has just written this this sketch when she meets this Noah rock star hot guy and they develop a relationship. Okay. Okay. So as they develop their relationship, life goes on. And COVID comes and they're apart. You know, the pandemic hits, they're apart. And there's some other things I'm not going to give away Mm -hmm. that, that cause them to split apart. But um, they are in this COVID time. They're both in isolation. Noah's in California. Sally's in New York. And, or actually, I think she goes back to her home and, during the isolation. Uh, yeah. And she's, she's taking care of her stepfather who's her mother has passed away and she's taking care of her mm-hmm. stepfather and they start emailing. Um, and so the whole second section of the novel is epistolary and it's all e- these emails back and forth, which makes the story zoom forward. Ah. It, it's just propels it and, it, you know, you get very, you can easily get engrossed in, in their emails. Because it's the kind of probably like reading dialogue almost, right? It's, it's really quick. Really quick, yeah. And there's not a, there's none of the extra yeah. subtext or, or yeah. context, you know. And so um, they they have this time where they're, they're emailing back and forth. And then the third part of the, the book is post-COVID or in the immediate aftermath mm-hmm. of covid and I'm, they come together, but I'm not going to say what happens. <laughs> so a happy ending because it's a romance. Novel. Yeah, okay. well, it's more or less, sick. more or less. Yeah, and um, but it just it was so fun. Yeah, and it and the the first part of the novel was I what really grabbed me was the whole background of what it takes to put a. Sh- a show like Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and what like the cadence of a week mm-hmm. in that environment looks like right. and, and how it all works. And I not knowing anything about that world, that was, that was fascinating. I mean, the care, the characters were great and it was fun to see what was happening, but I was really interested in the background yeah. um, and learning all about that. And then when they got to the emailing each other, at that point, I was just sucked in. It was I enjoyed it so much. It was so much fun. I want to read it because I, I love Saturday Night Live as well. Mm-hmm. We were just chatting. A lot of the comic, the comedians that I follow are sketch comedians or started out in sketch comedians. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the king of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler yeah. and all those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really was thinking of Thirty Rock while you were describing this, like wondering if Sally would be played by Tina Fey. I don't know. Oh, that. I think Tina Fey, I'm sorry, Tina, if you're listening, love you, but I think you might be a little old to play Sally. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We had this conversation in the yeah. last episode, our frame of reference for current. I know, because we, we think we're 20 years younger than we are. <laughs> we do. But does, so does um, does the comedy really come out? Is it witty writing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 great writing. And I mean, even even the whole idea behind this sketch that she has supposedly written about 
the the what did you say nebbishy guy with the hot woman you know but doesn't work around you know the other way around you know that's pretty sophisticated pretty funny and that's great funny stuff and um although i have to say i think that idea i think that's something a lot of women you know think about and would probably say yeah that's true that it that a average looking guy has a way hot easier time picking up a super hot women woman than the other way around or it could be that uh an average looking woman could pick up a super hot guy but to have a relationship with that guy probably isn't you know reasonable to expect is what is what some women might think yeah so that might be the so. book more resonant with a lot of the readers then too right because they might people might think about themselves yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean i'll be i'll be honest i've thought that a whole bunch when i was first dating my husband i was like wait he's way out of my league (laughs) (laughs) what's he doing with me you know yeah yeah. so that i mean i connected on that on that idea for sure with the character well it's a popular book um curtis bell's read a lot we will it, it what was it called again romantic comedy Right there in the title. And it's bright pink. It's bright pink. Yeah, you can't you yeah, can't miss shelf. it. You can't we, miss it. We will, of course, put these on our put this yes. in my book on, on our show page so people don't have to write it down. Yeah, it it was really good. So what about you? So uh caveat, I wrote a read, I did not write, I read <laughs> a book that isn't really a, a romance, but it has a kind of little romance connection that I'll talk about at the end. Okay. But I also read something that came out really just the beginning of the summer, actually. It's called The Celebrants by Stephen Rowley. Love him. Love him. He's really a popular author. He wrote The Gunkle and mm-hmm. uh, Billy of the Octopus. And this book is also just getting a lot of attention. He's been on all the morning talk shows. I think it was a Good Morning America pick or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I read it basically in a day. It's a really, really good read. And, you know, Raleigh's known for making serious topics, you know, approachable and right amount of humanity and humanity, yeah. you know, through his books. And in The Celebrants, which, again, got terrific reviews, he sets up this interesting plot device. So close to a group of college friends, you know, they're in their early, early 20s, back in the 90s, they lose one of their own to an overdose just on the eve of graduation. You know, of, which, of college, Greg. College, which is like, you guys are all like excited about going out of the right. world and one of your best friends dies, basically. And it shakes their world to the core. And so, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're really working through this. It's like, what does this mean for us as we go out? We're going to be a group of friends. We're going to go our separate ways and be yeah. adults, right? Mm-hmm. So after attending his funeral, the remaining five friends resolve that they shouldn't wait for each other's funerals for them to eulogize each other. They set up this pact that... At any moment of crisis they have, they can call the others to come together for a living funeral um, and celebrate the person's life. In effect, using it as a way of kind of like therapy to mm-hmm. help someone through, help one of the others through really difficult issues in life as, as they happen. And yeah. that sets up the, present, you know, the premise of the book 
Um, hence the title, The Celebrants. Mm-hmm. And as you would expect in due course over the years and decades, each of them, one after the other, finds a reason to call in the pact. You know, it could be a family issue, mm-hmm. a career issue, one of them has a run-in with the law, effectively working through these issues with each other and proving out this pact. And now as this book opens, they're all about hitting their 50s, so our generation. Our yeah. And one of them hesitantly calls the pact because he's received a diagnosis, and this time the issue isn't something they can talk through that can't right. be solved by talking it out in the living room mm-hmm. they always meet in this beautiful house in big sur so it's oh. kind of an interesting interesting okay. context so that's the premise of the book i really mm-hmm. won't say much more than that other than you know one reviewer actually many reviewers have characterized this as kind of a big chill for a new generation it, it feels very big chillish yeah and I think you and I and producer Doug would recognize that reference. Yes. Because it was a movie from the early 80s. And it had to when, do- when we were the age of the, the yes, celebrants. Exactly. <laughs> we're all in our early 20s. It has to do with a similar kind of setting. Yeah. Um, but I actually found this probably more approachable than The Big mm-hmm. Chill. It's just more more readable and I think a little bit more humane. And, you know, one of the things that I found successful about this book is that he, Rowley did a really great job of aging the characters from college into middle age. That's a rare thing in so what t- t- Can you tell a little, describe that a little bit more? Well, the way I was thinking of it, and I'm curious about your okay. reaction, is, you know, we all age and we right. become professionals or whatever and get jobs and whatever, and, you know, have fancy jobs with a suit and tie or, you know, whatever. Right elected officials as I'm talking to one. But, you know, when we get back together with our college-age friends, you know, and we may not see them all regularly or whatever, we kind of revert back to those previous roles. Yeah. The the before times roles, how we knew each other, right? Right. There's the funny one, the serious one, the the party animal, you know, and that's kind of a... even as we age, there's still that kind of frame of reference when we get back together. Yeah. At least that's something that I kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a little about you. I, th- I think so. I haven't had as men- much opportunities to get back, you know, with with friends that I went to college with. Mm-hmm. But I can reference the, the times that I have. We definitely fill in those. We, we slip back into that same person that we were and when we were in college, yeah, for sure. Right. It doesn't so, matter where we are in, in our real lives. And it's, and it's not to say that that other stuff doesn't isn't important. Right. You know, the people that we've become isn't important. It plays a role. But he captures that really well, that dynamic okay. really well. And it also allows for their, him to seep in some of the humor that permeates this book because <laughs> these are serious issues. If you're calling right. your friends together for a living funeral, it's not for fun. Um, you know, and... I would also say, you know, just personally, Wills and I both read this book okay. separately when it came out. And we each kind of had a similar reaction because between the two of us, we had four friends of our generation pass in the last year yeah, for a variety of reasons. And we were just kind of processing those and coming to grips with we're that age. Right, you know, right. probably going to happen a little bit more frequently. And this book kind of, with its humor, but pathos and gravitas, it kind of helps you think through some of this stuff, right? Was, and, was it cathartic? In a way, yeah. yeah. It makes you think about how important your friends are, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. people that you do have these relationships with that, you know, you lose touch over the years, but then you can come back together. Right. Almost in a, in, a, in a heartbeat. So I think, you know, a lot of people who've been through the pandemic will understand this and, and it'll be a good book club pick. So do, let me, you, you mentioned the pandemic. The book mm-hmm. that I read, this is the um, the first book that I've read that 
deals with the pandemic like in real time. Mm-hmm. You know that the characters, you know they they knew each other before they went through the pandemic together and then came out the other side. Does this do the characters in this book is does is the pandemic referenced at all or it's not a non-issue? It's kind of a non-issue. Um it's not okay. central to the tenant. Okay. This book it was right. written post pandemic. Okay. Which kind of leads into my little kind of romantic connection here. Okay. So I'll just dive into that. All right, quick. go for it. So some of you will remember way back in episode 31, I looked it up. I talked <laughs> about a book, a first novel oh. by a writer named Byron Lane in a novel called A Star is Bored. It was like his romantic left when he was a personal assistant with Carrie Fisher. He turned right. into a novel. And right. A successful book. I remember that. You remember yes. that? And mm-hmm. it was a fun read. Yeah. He happened to be, two things, he happened to be Stephen Raleigh's boyfriend at the time. Okay. And he also happened to be going through and recovering from a serious bout of cancer. Oh. And it was like, they went through a lot together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And just as the book was going to press, you kind of had to stop the presses moment. And he had them insert a new line at the very end of the book. And then when the book came out, he made Stephen Rowley, his boyfriend, uh-huh. read it. Okay. Front cover to cover. And, you know, you're someone's boyfriend. You've already read the message sure. 20 times. So right. Why do I need to do this? But he did his duty. Right. Know, he's a good boyfriend. And the very last line of the acknowledgments at the end of the book mm-hmm. was to Stephen saying, will you marry? Oh. Isn't that sweet? Yes. So um, Stephen Rowley's next book, The Gunkle. <laughs> Which, which we loved, yes. Um, came out the next year. And so in his acknowledgement, he says a thousand times yes. Oh. So he accepts the proposal. He waited a year? I think they, in the moment. I, I, hope, that, I hope that that was resolved before. <laughs> it was resolved before. Yeah. But, but that's cute. They wanted for the to, readers. They wanted to do to it see. for the readers. And, yeah. and this was all came out during the morning show appearances for the okay. to celebrate this year, which is why I make the connection. I and see. Now they're happily married. Wonderful. And published authors. And they like to say that their proposal was captured for eternity in the Library of Congress because it's in, in their books. books. Oh, Isn't that a sweet That's very sweet show? and very romantic. Yeah. That's lovely. So that's the Celebrants by Stephen Rowley, really popular. I can't wait to read it. Um, I had this on my to-be-read list, you know, for for the summer. And then when you said you, you know, you had read it, I was like, oh, now I can't read it because (laughs) we're going to talk about it. But now we've talked about it and it's over. So now I can read read it it and I'm so excited to do so. I think you're really going to love it. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. And I can't wait to see what you think of romantic comedy. So readers, check them out. The celebrants and romantic comedy. Let us know what you think. Get some romance in your lives. <laughs> for those of you who need it, yeah, uh, and we'll or, be, or who don't, <laughs> everyone needs it. Let's just say that <laughs> it's pumpkin spice season. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the Sea Conversation portion of our show. And our first guest of Season 5, I'm so excited. We have Elizabeth McGuire, owner, baker, Chief Bottle Washer from Eastside Bakery here in the Eastern Sierra. And thanks, Elizabeth, for joining us today. 
We're so happy to have you. I'm really happy because I see you really into it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do love talking about food on this show. And we were talking sure. about driving by the Eastside Bake Shop yeah. this morning on the way in. So I think a lot of other will know it. I, I would imagine so because it's not just the bakery, but you have your baked goods in other places, right? Yeah, they're distributed in about 10 different places between Lone Pine Bishop in here. Oh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, maybe, Elizabeth, if you don't mind, we start at the beginning. How do you, what's your origin story in Monarch How did you end up here? Well, I, I grew up in Southern California, and my family camped at Virginia. Oh, great. Um, so just childhood memories, yearly traditions. And um, I always loved the Eastern Sierra. I was super fascinated um, by the geology of the area, and I did become a geology student. Wow. Um, so that was kind of part of it. But I, I also lived here in 1994, went to high school here. Oh. Wow. A little minute, because my dad moved here. Um, he was self-employed, and he just had a short stint of living here, and I was a junior at the time. And so I didn't end up completing my uh, senior year of high school because I was just really college ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a proficiency test. Yeah. JC, like, really abruptly. I decided okay. not to do my senior year. And within that, I felt kind of gypped. I loved living here after all the years of visiting. Yeah. And after going to school and then working there for a few years, I decided to take a quote-unquote sabbatical <laughs> geology job. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be one year. And here I am. 20 years later. <laughs> I love this story. That's so cool. So when you took your break from your geology job, did you go into baking? Was that no, what you... Well, while I was studying geology, I was a baker. Okay. In West Sonoma County. And I worked at this cafe and learned a ton of things through a, a family mm-hmm. that owned it. Um and then when I moved here for that quote-unquote sabbatical, I was still working half-time for the geology company. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I started um, working at Petra's, which is some oh, okay. house. And that just further, you know, piqued my interest in food and mm-hmm. wine. And um, I used to bake all the time for a hobby, bring it into the Google Pop Browns and mm-hmm. it, blah, blah, blah. But, I, you know, I kind of always just saw myself doing that one day, like having my own little cafe. Yeah. Um, so I, I left the geology world just because, you know, it was less field work working from here mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah. and right. not as exciting, a lot of report writing. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of, you know, I did a bunch of food and beverage in wine oriented uh-huh. things for a while. I was did license, you know, did all the things <laughs> you can do in the Eastern Sierra. All the things, yes, right. Make it work, right? I love how many, sorry to interrupt, I love how many people who do that, that we've met, uh, I've met in the last five years, who were geologists or geology yes. in one of those jobs. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, we've had a yeah. few guests on who mm-hmm. were not, are not practicing, but mm-hmm. yeah. did have that kind of study. That background, yeah. yeah. I love well, that. I think part of it, at least the way, uh, the way it happened for me is, you love what you do in school, mm-hmm. so field-oriented, you're great. But then as you move up the ladder as a geologist, you do less and less of that. Right. And you basically end up kind of like having an office job. Yeah. yeah. The senior geologists are there, and you're, you know, so it's great, and you're, like, doing the grunt work at the entry level. Yeah. And then you see where you're going, and that's not why you're 
that why you chose to study geology in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now I just get to talk to my kids about it. And <laughs> cool from what I vaguely remember. You know? Well, they're they're lucky that they have you that you have that background and can explain all of that yeah, to them because it's, it's, it's such a rich part of where we live. It is, and and I I still. I'm so fascinated by that subject and just where we live. And I mean, living in Long Valley and right. Caldera and I live on the edge of that, you know, it's like, really, and that's still, I think about it for, you know, every day. Right. You know, it's good stuff. That's a good point. Can Can you describe for our listeners where the bank shop is actually located? Some of our listeners will know, but some of our listeners are from out of the area. So mm-hmm. how would they find that? Um, well, an easy way to think of it is it's 15 minutes south of Mammoth and you actually get off of the Mookie Creek exit and you hang a quick left and it's mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. It's um, located in the historic Mookie Creek Lodge. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to get to right off the highway um, and it's just 15 minutes shy south of Mammoth. And what are your hours so people know? Um, well, I run the business seasonally, the cafe okay. seasonal. Um and it's typically from fishing opener mm-hmm. to sometime in September, staff dependent. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, usually always through Labor Day. And then um, it just depends. My hours are um, 7 a.m. until 2. On Sundays, we stay open an hour longer because we do live music out on the patio. Cool. So we are open until 3. I love the cafes that do live music too. We were talking about that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I have always done live music. That's great. The bake shop has been there. I've been in business now for 10 years. We've done a lot of different things in that 10 years. We used to do dinners and live music Mm -hmm. on Fridays and Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. And then um, prior to uh, the pandemic, I had already decided, no, I'm done with that. Yeah. Um, And you know, the cafe business had gotten strong enough where I didn't need to do that as yeah. strongly as right. when I first started to, you know, make beer and wine sales on a night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I always wanted to keep the music element going. And so we do nice music out on the patio. You know, it's a beautiful view. Mickey Mountains, yes. and, you know, beautiful garden. Usually good weather. And if it's not good weather, we can pull it inside. Yeah. Right there. And you're right across, which should also be new mining, mm-hmm. and right across from Crowley Lake right there, right? Yeah. So you must have seasonal people that come back and have one summer. Right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And the camp, there's a campground located right, right on, across the street. On the other side. So mm-hmm. you can get a ton of foot traffic just from the campground, and it's part of everyone's, you know, annual tradition. Come on over and get their treats and remember, you know, what they had last year. Right. Whatnot. So year after year, we do see the same people. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Well, and for us locals that live there all the time, it's so much fun in the summer to ride your bike over to the cafe and get a, a fancy coffee and, <laughs> and yeah. the amazing baked goods. We have a great local following. Yeah. We yeah. all support it, but you which I'm super appreciative of that. But, you know, can't do it without that element, but the seasonality and the tourists that you know, are running around that neck of the woods in the summer is definitely part of our, our success as well. But we, we have a great local following. Yeah. So are you the only baker or is, do, you, do you have help baking? I've had and... many bakers over the years. I'm currently. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm closed literally this season. Yeah. Um, but no, I've had a series of great bakers. Mm-hmm. Over the years. And then are you, but do you come up with the recipes? Yeah. How do you source all of that? Well, I've been doing this since I was like 17. <laughs> well, as far as baking. And yeah. 17, 18 is when I started working at that cafe mm-hmm. while I was in school. So, um, you know, I just have 
along the repertoire of doing what I do. Yeah. Um, people are like, oh, you know, how do you adjust your recipes for output too? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been baking <laughs> here for 20 years. It's, it's, it just works. I never thought that was even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, is a thing. it is a thing, but I don't really do differently at this point, you know? Um, so the recipes, what I, part of what I do in the winter when I'm not running the cafe is that creative space where okay. I can create new recipes right. um, and, you know, play with new things and develop new systems. Um, for example, this last winter, I started doing bread for Parallax. I do bread for Mulcania. Wow. Um, so the winter time allows me the time to kind of just be in the kitchen by myself and, mm -hmm. and, and get creative and then figure out how what I produce or come up with in the winter, how that's going to incorporate to actually when I'm open and, right. and right. You know, to work into the systems I already in place. Because you do have this wholesale side. It is, so, right, yeah. And is it mostly two restaurants on the inside or do um, people find your stuff? Yeah, like coffee shops and yeah. restaurants um, in Mammoth. Black Velvet. Yeah, Black yeah. Velvet's been a long-time client. Sierra Sundance was for years. Mm -hmm. And now Stella right. Rue carries a lot of the things that mm -hmm. I used to carry at Sierra Sundance okay. because they're trying to create that little bit of a marketplace there. Mm -hmm. um, the side door, the stove, Volcania. Um, I know I'm spacing on a couple of other ones. I, in Lone Pine, I'm in um, Vibra, Juice Bar. Oh, yeah. Wow. And in Bishop, I have Pupfish, uh, mm -hmm. Lupin, Health Goods, sells my mm -hmm. sourdough and a couple other things. And it sounds like it's so much for one person. Like, <laughs> are you baking 24 hours a day? I thank you for taking time to come to do this. I don't know how I know. you're out of the kitchen. No, um, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's another um, part of why the seasonality of my business works so well because yeah. Yeah. you can kind of only sustain the cafe on top of that for so long. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but no, it's been great. The wholesale is just a great backbone mm -hmm. um, to the business, you know. Yeah. And um, it's great. It's, it, I, get, I get customers from, you know, people reading my labels or having. A treat of black velvet, you know, where this come from, and then stop by the pitch shop. Yeah. So it's a great um, exposure, you know, source, this wholesale. And it just, I feel good about offering the community good, you know, yeah. fresh awesome. baked goods yeah. instead of them buying something from one of the massive food distributors that they're going to serve at the cafe or whatever, you know. Right, 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 right. So it also sounds awesome that you have this time of year when you can't that kind of breathe and be creative. Mm -hmm. and you ever thought of like after doing this for so long, doing bakery cookbook or something you know i feel like that'll be a, a retirement project because <laughs> 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 like having the time to write a book is yeah. not going to be in the cards and i don't you know also that seems like more of a hobby project than yeah. a, mm -hmm. a monetarily true you know yeah. <laughs> but um i have done baking classes yeah and i intend to do more of those um I want to do like a sourdough one-on-one course oh i want to take that i've done a pie uh, crust, you know, baked yeah. crust yeah. or it's cool. super fun interaction. Do you do the classes in the cafe? In the kitchen. Oh, in, yeah, yeah, just where like I, where, where you know, are. where I make my things, yeah. yeah. And, cool. Um, That'd be yeah. so much fun. That would be fun. Yeah, I just love that idea. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's people hit me up to do those sorts of things often, like, you know, I'm going to make so but, and, uh, you know, I always struggle with press. I've tried to think about the things that kind of like people the most when they write around. I like that, you know. <laughs>
<laughs> so with all the time and and hard work that goes into running the bakery and doing the wholesale side of things, do you I, you mentioned you have a daughter? I have three children. Three children. So tell us about your three kids and what do you do for fun? Like, do you have time for that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely will squeeze in a lot of fun. You know, um, just having three kids is fun. So I have a 12, 11, and 8-year-old. Uh -huh. So I'm very busy. busy yeah. Um, we have an old school Toyota Dolphin camper. We go camping all the time. Nice. You know, paddle boarding. Mm -hmm. and, right. Um, my son's an avid fisherman. My girls love horses. I mean, we're all over the place. We're busy yeah. with family, but, you know, definitely just enjoy the outdoors and just like to have it over else. It was probably be our right. Yeah. Entirely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so great. And yeah. Do the kids like to bake? Have to ask. Yeah, actually, um, they do. Yeah. Oh, and good. They, well, I started the bakery when I got a two and a one-year-old. Wow. <laughs> and so they don't know anything different. Aside from mom having itch. Right. Um, and then I had a third. And my third, she's eight years old, and she's there with me constantly, like this summer. Um, kids are kind of too old for babysitters, so they right. I live right up the street from the bakery. Okay. I just ride the bikes down or whatever nice. um, in the morning if I'm already there. Because, you know, I also have to board me in between the days. So we sleep in a little bit more. But my yeah. eight-year-old, she's up like a crocodile. She's got the baking. <laughs> she's got the baking <laughs> instinct. And she comes down and she, she like, they all do customer service now. And oh. register. And, oh. and um, because I'm so short staff, I was joking as somebody who was helping me out today. I'm like, well, it's, I trained Jim to make quiche and Owen to make bread pudding in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're, awesome. they're, they're involved. They're very involved. They take a lot of pride in that shot. It's very much part of, of you know, their upbringing. That's lovely. That's and they've so learned great. a lot. They're very comfortable in the kitchen. That's great. Yeah. That sounds, none of that sounds, so I briefly worked at a bakery in Bishop when I was in high school eons ago. And nothing what you described was like my cheesy experience. <laughs> it was like donuts. And, it was good, I guess. But I, after that. I did it for like a year. It was yeah. before school, helping that day go out and filling in the jelly donuts and doing that kind of stuff. And I, I decided that was not for me. You have to be a morning yeah. person. Yeah, well, yeah. I am a morning person, but I had one of those jobs once because I, I I worked in many bakeries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, one of them was working at a grocery store and frying donuts. Oh. I was not. Uh. <laughs> I was like, no. Messier than people think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's so, it's so great to have them involved and the, you know, the, the bonding and the time, you know, the yeah. memories, they're going to have such amazing memories of growing up and being around that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they're at the age now when I'm like, okay, I actually like need you guys there for like right. an hour. And they're good for like an hour or two, you know, the yeah. <laughs> right. And then, and then you lose them. Awesome. <laughs> well, listen, we are uh, a book called, Podcast. I run the libraries. Stacy is an educator. What what does a thinker read? I mean, <laughs> when you have time to read, right? That's that's <laughs> yeah. I will fully admit I am not much of a reader, right? Um, but when I do um, thumb through things, mm -hmm. um, my one of my all time favorite, and I've subscribed to it for as long as I can remember, is Cooks Illustrated. Right. Oh, it is I love such that. a great publication. Yeah. Um, it's like geeky and very yeah. scientific. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, 
it gives you just some great basic tools and understanding. And, and it's very similar to how I, um, how my mind works in the mm-hmm. kitchen or even how I would train yeah. somebody. I really explain why and how and the reasons. And, and so that publication is, is very much a go-to for me. If yeah. I'm ever like, I want to try this out. I'll, I'll go look to, at that publication first yeah, and get some ideas about, you know, how they do it. And I will admit I am horrific at following recipes. I don't follow <laughs> recipes. I, I physically, I just can't. Even that's, Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, my recipes, oh. but like, I can't follow someone else's recipe. I will look at it. And I'll be like, no, I'm going to do it like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's maybe like a baseline. Right. And um, I just joke with myself because I'm I'm horrible. I, and I, it's like against my will to do it that way. I'm like, I think I'm going to do it this way. And I just always kind of go in to a recipe changing it from the get-go. Well, you have great instincts because I've eaten lots of your food and <laughs> it's all delicious. Thank you. And I'm not a sweet person you know bakery goods yeah. kind of person but those bars well a lot of my stuff isn't like isn't highly sweet i use a lot of non-refined sugars mm. a lot of nuts and seeds and mm-hmm. fruit yeah you know i don't like sweet food you know yeah, over you, the top you've and got bakery, great textures yeah my bakery's not like a, mm-hmm. a white yeah sugar white right flour flat fried donut it's, kind of bakery it's more grainy and seedy and you know which is good it's so yeah. great it's so delicious. But you talk Cooks Illustrated. I subscribe to them, that mm-hmm. publication also. And I love when they, the, the sections where they rate the best mm-hmm. stand mixers or the, you know, I mean, <laughs> the appliances. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you know, they vetted, you know, appliances or right. knives yeah. or whatever. Or and then butter. You know, this section where they do all these little, you know, home remedies for things mm-hmm. and people yeah. Spit, which I love yeah. Them. yeah so that's one and then Sugar Magazine is oh, another of yeah. my favorites because that's kind of travel meets food mm-hmm. yeah and, um, and then there's actually a, it's fairly new I think it's maybe like five years old there's a publication actually called Bake and okay. it's oh. it's very well done it's okay. you know beautiful uh, photography and good recipes they highlight a lot of like sort of up and coming chefs or uh, bakers around the country and so those are like my three days is that a physical publication mm-hmm. or yeah. an online or it's physical okay mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure they do have an online mm-hmm. presence but i don't have to look do you think that one may have come about or there's more visibility now because of all these baking shows on tv yeah, yeah maybe mm-hmm. i don't know um but I was kind of impressed that it did come out because yeah. it kind of seemed to come out right in the era of when magazines were going away. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but it was very well done. Yeah. You know, and they're still around. So. I always think that, you know, as anything cooking related, baking probably too, is so perfect for a magazine because you need something physical next to you on the counter. Right. Like my type of cook with yeah. all the recipe. Yeah. I'm not good. Um, and you don't necessarily want to get your iPad or whatever coloring flower. Yeah, I've let that go a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think every uh, gadget of mine is ruined flower. <laughs> so since since you brought awesome. you brought up the the baking shows on television, we've talked about yes. the, the great British, British baking, baking show uh, here several times. 
Are you a fan? Well, it's so funny. For years and years, people are like, you've got to watch that. you got to watch. I'm not much of a TV person. You know, yeah. a time yeah. thing. Right. Um, but my kids and I decided to give it a go. And we totally got into like one, oh. one series <laughs> of it. But then we just really loved the characters. Yeah. The first one that we happened to see. Right. You know, and we were kind of not into the next mm-hmm. one. You know? Yeah. So I've seen one. Okay. You know, at, what, one season of that. Yeah. 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 But it was really good. Right. It, was, it was sweet. I like how the camaraderie that they had and yeah. it wasn't like a competitive all hand up <laughs> right you know, cooking show like they can be or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. they they are they're fun. They're like cool fluff too. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. So I I have them. That's awesome. Well we do have magazines. I just want to remind our listeners. Yeah. I like the we do have magazines at our libraries and we also have a lot of online magazines. You might be able to find Dave Cooks Illustrated and Savoia on our uh, online magazine database if you get it the more time on the website. So those are great recommendations for you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for joining us, taking time from your very, very busy life to be with us today. We really appreciate it. It was great getting to meet you and I will be stopping by the bakery this weekend to to partake of the goods before you close for the season, for yeah. sure. And then we're taking fun even when I'm closed out and about. Yeah, yeah. look for that for sure. Business. And we'll we'll make sure that we put all of those, link yes. all those places on our website. Okay. So yeah. our listeners know where to find your Yes, you don't, have, you don't have to pull over and write all this down. Right. Find us on our website. And, and so, yeah, thanks again, Elizabeth. And thank, thank you for having me. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Oxygen Static Podcast. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at Book Styled and Facebook, but you can also find our website, which has our episodes and a contact link for us if you want to give us feedback at Oxygen Static Podcast. Have a safe, safe, See you soon. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. In Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.